0: Lonely Monk Productions I don't know if y'all have seen the music video for John Mayer's new track Last Train Home but yo that's my joy. that's my joy Hey yo, the yo. What's good, friends and family, neighbors, near and far? Welcome to episode six of the second season of the Yo! That's My John podcast. The podcast, website, brand, movement, way of life, dedicated to the embrace and championing of your passions. I am your host, Nate Runkle, a.k.a. Johnny Quest, a.k.a. The Material Squirrel, Madonna a.k.a. John Wayne, a.k.a. I Just Got to Know. Are You Trying to Go My Way? A.k.a. Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to JohnCast, a.k.a. Nate 3.0, checking in for yet another podcast. As always, I hope this podcast finds you all in good health and in good spirits. What's up, gang? In a little bit, I talk to Pearl Charles. You know... Since I started it back in the middle of the pandemic, doing this podcast has been an immense privilege, and it's brought me so much joy just being able to talk to peers and people who have inspired me about music and the art they create, whether it be Scott Miller, a guy who I've been friends with for over 30 years and I grew up making music together with him, or, you know, someone like Dan Reed, who's a guy who I've admired for years who graciously just answered an email and took time out of his day to chat with a stranger for his dumb little show that he records out of his basement. And that's exactly what happened with Pearl Charles. Here's someone whose song Only For Tonight I heard on the radio one day on my way home from work, and I became an immediate fan. So I took a shot, and I emailed her and asked if she would have any interest coming on this show, and she agreed. Just like that. I'm absolutely humbled that I get to have these chats with people I respect both musically and creatively. Shifting gears for a second here, this past Saturday was June 5th, and it would have been my dad's 67th birthday. So in honor of that, I want to share something that I wrote for the Yo That's My John website on the one-year anniversary of his death, and I hope you enjoy it. It's called Runkel Schmunkle. My dad loved Harry Nielsen. More specifically, my dad loved the album Nielsen Schmielsen. It was one of his favorite albums, a trait that has been passed down from father to son, as it is easily in my top five favorite albums of all time. I've had a recurring internal argument with myself over whether it's Harry's beautifully tenored voice or his brilliantly abstract songwriting that has driven this obsession with him all these years, but that argument is just foolish drivel. I love Harry Nielsen because my dad loved Harry Nielsen. One of his favorite songs from Nielsen Schmielsen that has recently found itself with a bit of resurgence is its opening track, Gotta Get Up. Originally released as the B-side to Harry's monster hit, Without You, Gotta Get Up was featured last year in the Netflix series Russian Doll, starring the show's co-creator Natasha Leone. So that's where you might know it from. But... That's not where my sister and I know it from, no. Natalie and I know it because my dad would sing Gotta Get Up To Us every single morning that he had to wake us up. And he would continue to sing it until we got up. As a small aside, yes, my sister's name is Natalie, and my name is Nathan. But no, our parents did not do this to be cute. Actually, it was my doing. Our parents let me name my little sister, and so I chose Natalie. But not because of the alliteratory nature of the coupling of our names, but it's because I was a fan of Mindy Khan's character Natalie on the Facts of Life. To be honest, the Nate and Nat thing never even crossed my mind. I feel like that story should tell you as much about me as you need to know to confirm any preconceived notions you may have already had about me. But I digress. Our dad didn't just sing Gotta Get Up to Us when we were children. It continued into our adult lives. I was in my 30s, and if I kept hitting the snooze button, not wanting to open my eyes for work and let either my alarm clock or responsibility win, I would hear from the doorway of my bedroom my father's voice. Gotta get up, gotta get out, gotta get home before the morning comes. He loved that song. And Nat and I love that song. And we loved to hear him sing that song, no matter how annoyed we would pretend to be, at his attempt to get us up. So much that when I finally moved out, I set my alarm clock to Gotta Get Up, because it reminded me of home. It reminded me of him. My father passed away a year ago this week. My sister and I were there with him until the very end, and uh, on that last day that we spent by his side in the hospital room, knowing that it was the end, but secretly hoping that the doctors were wrong, and that he would come to and just show them how wrong they were, I reached inside my pocket, and I pulled out my cell phone. I opened up Apple Music, and I loaded up Nielsen Schmielsen, and as I placed my phone on his chest, I hit play. Side one, track one, and Harry's wonderful voice began to fill the hospital room, Gotta get up, gotta get out, gotta get home before the morning comes. Just as my father's voice would ring out every morning, that he would wake my sister and I from our slumber, and so I hoped it would work there. That those words may awaken my father from the inevitable, just like he woke my sister and I countless times, and that I would hear him sing along. Well, it, it didn't. He didn't. But it wasn't entirely unsuccessful. I know it can be chalked up to an involuntary movement, and who knows, maybe it was. But as Harry sang, I am sure as anything in my life that my father tapped his feet. And I know that he had tapped his feet because he could hear one of his favorite songs from one of his favorite albums, and he knew that we were there with him. He knew. But he had to run, run, yeah. I think about my father a lot. You know, Recently, I've been wondering to myself... What he would make of the COVID-19 pandemic, I know he'd be worried for me, and I know he'd be tremendously worried for my sister, who's immunodeficient. But most of all, I know that early on in all of this, before the guidelines and before the stay-at-home edicts, I know that he would have asked me, are you buying all this? You think it's real? He would ask me a version of that sentiment about challenging topics from time to time, and I would answer him, trying to hide my confusion on how could you not believe it when all of the evidence would point to things being real. But it wasn't until recently that I realized that he wasn't challenging the narrative in those instances. If he had asked me those questions about the coronavirus outbreak, it wasn't necessarily that he didn't, quote, buy it. It was that he valued my opinion, and he wanted to know what I thought. Because he knew. I would be honest with him. I don't use Gotta Get Up as my alarm clock anymore. I can't. Because when I hear that song, I don't want to hear Harry's voice. I want to hear my dad's, I love you, and I miss you very much, Dad. My guest today is a singer, songwriter, and musician who gained exposure as one half of the lo-fi Americana duo, The Driftwood Singers. After a stint playing drums in the blank tapes, she released her first solo effort, a self-titled EP, in 2015. Her first full-length album, Sleepless Dreamer, released in 2018, showcased her songwriting and sonically reflected a feel of 70s country rock without sounding artificial or calculated, a vibe that she has perfected on her latest release, Magic Mirror, which sprinkles in a little ABBA-flavored disco for good measure. Recently named by Rolling Stone Magazine as an artist to watch, folks, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show Pearl Charles. So ladies and gentlemen, today I am joined by the great Pearl Charles. Pearl, thank you for joining me here on Yo, That's My John.
1: Thank you for having me. Happy to be here.
0: So I like to start every interview off by telling people kind of my connection to their music or to them Um, and for you. uh, So I'm not sure if you're familiar with our um, kind of um, indie radio around here is WXPN 88.5. And uh, I'm driving home from work as I do. Uh, listening to 88.5, my favorite station And um, all of a sudden this song comes on And it's playing And 88.5 uh, does this like highs in the 70s show So I just kind of assumed it was highs in the 70s right? And I'm like, man, this is a really amazing song I can't believe I've never heard this before And of course, you know, I Shazam it uh, Like people do nowadays And all of a sudden I find out it's not from the 70s Nor is the show high in the 70s This is a brand new song um, And that song was only for tonight Uh, And it blew me away. It's a really, really great piece of work. So um, thank you for creating that.
1: Well, thank you for listening. And thanks to 88.5 for playing me at WX. Again, big fan of the station. I'm very familiar. And um, yeah, love Bruce, Warren, who I think was probably the one who played it.
0: I think it Uh, was, actually. If it wasn't Bruce, it was Dan Reed, one of those two.
1: Oh, yeah. Dan Reed, too. Yeah. It's a great station. You know, it has international significance. So I'm stoked to be on there.
0: Yeah, it's 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 really great, and like having it as my hometown station is um, really special. Um, speaking of hometowns, tell me a little bit about uh, growing up. Where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Los Angeles, California, but right now I'm living out in the Joshua Tree Desert, which was kind of my home away from home. My family had a place out there for the last fifteen years, kind of before the boom that it is now. So it you know became a, a second home for me, and I decided to move out here during the pandemic.
0: Oh, that's, oh, so it's like a recent move out there then.
1: Yeah, more full-time. You know, I've been coming out here for forever just to visit and, you know, get, get into a good creative headspace because, you know, it's so open and quiet and, uh, you know, you're in nature and all that good stuff. So, yeah, we kind of decided, my partner and I decided to move out here and uh, open a little studio in our house and, yeah
0: that is awesome so uh, when you're like uh, growing up and stuff like that like what kind of music's playing around the house what uh what are what are you surrounded by musically
1: well my dad was really into Bob Dylan and Craig Zappa um, those are two that I always think of when I think of him and then and the Beatles of course sure. and then my mom was really into um, John Prime Leonard Cohen kind of more of that singer-songwriter type of thing Um and as well as Patsy Klein, Hank Williams, like classic country, and then some newer country artists like Gillian Welsh. I don't know, you know, Americana kind of not necessarily what we think of as modern country per se, but, um, yeah, so a lot of, a lot of, uh, folky singer songwriter stuff. And then the classic, you know, the Beatles can't go wrong with that
0: yeah of course um so when that you know when that's playing is are you into it as well like uh or or were you one of the kind of kids who revolted from what their parents listened to
1: i always gravitated towards the old V station which when i was growing up played more like 50s and 60s stuff um and so i did i appreciated the music my parents liked a lot but i also you know i wanted to fit in as a kid in the 90s so I experimented with some of the more mainstream stuff,
0: whether that was the boy bands or Spice Girls or whatever. Yeah, sure, sure. I'm I'm a big Spice Girls fan. Um, It's it's one of my uh, the the whole bedrock of uh, this yo, that's my John thing is to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure because I don't believe in guilty pleasures. But uh, Spice Girls, that's definitely yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, There's no bad music in my eyes. There's stuff I don't agree with, but there's no bad music, you know. Um, so when did you start playing music?
1: I was always really attracted to music and gravitated towards it at a young age. My parents like took note of that. When I was four, um, my older sister started taking piano lessons, so I asked my parents if I could start and they told me if I still wanted to, when I was five, that they would let me, I think they just wanted to know that I was actually going to be like somewhat committed to it if they were going to invest in it. Um, and I still wanted to and I, I fell in love with playing piano and I always was making up little songs and singing to myself and I also was really into musical theater. I think I got into it around the same age and so I did a lot of that growing up and then as I got older I started doing voice lessons and then I started doing guitar lessons and I did lots of summer camps and immersive programs of all sorts. My parents kind of let me you know dabble in all of the arts but I found that I had the most talent and the most fun with music.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So, um, musical theater, also another one of my displaced the Guild, Embrace the Pleasure. Um, Were you, you were, you were in shows?
1: Yeah, I mean, I wanted to be a professional actor when I was a kid, but my parents, you know, they were in the industry and they kind of objected to that. So they let me explore that in, um, you know, just like I said, summer camps and uh, out of school programs, whatever. So I did a lot of musicals but
0: nothing nothing professional. <laughs> okay. Okay. So um can you can you kind of pinpoint a, a a moment when um music kind of became the art of choice like when you were when you realized oh this is the one this is this is my my call. Yeah, I mean,
1: you know, I always loved the musical aspect of musical theater obviously, although I wanted to be better at dancing and acting. I was I was passionate about those things too, but I just wasn't Quite as good at them. I always got the roles that involved a lot of singing. And, um, but then it kind of happened in a sort of, um, in, in a funny way where I just, I got in trouble at school, not at school, but outside of school for um, sneaking out and like going to some other kid's house and smoking pot, whatever, when we were like 15. And somehow his parents found out, it's kind of a long story, basically, like I got kicked out of the theater program at my school because of that. And so I was kind of forced to pivot into like rock and roll music, which obviously I found out it was actually way more fun and way more up my alley. I think I was kind of going in that direction anyway, as you can tell from the story, I was already a bit rebellious and musical theater probably wasn't gonna end up being where I ended up, but it kind of happened a little more unexpectedly and shockingly than I had planned or I had thought that it would.
0: yeah oh that's so cool um that's you've 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 got kicked out of musical theater that's like badass that's uh that's that's the that's the play there so um so when did you start kind of writing songs then um you said you were kind of you had little songs that you would put together when you were you know younger but when 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 could you like feel songwriting
1: um i think that when i mean i have an interesting story about that compared to a lot of people, I think, because I think that when I got kicked out of musical theater it became clear that I was going to be more involved in just doing music. My parents, um, both of whom were writers in different capacities, encouraged me strongly to explore my voice as a writer, which I hadn't really done prior to that, other than, like you said, making up little songs when I was young, which was something I'd always loved to do. So it wasn't a total uh, shift, but my piano teacher, who wasn't my same piano teacher since I was like five, but you know, since I was very young, we switched to using this other woman and she was actually a pop songwriter and wrote for, you know, more like Disney stuff and mainstream kind of stuff like that. But so they kind of were like, well, while you're doing these piano lessons, like why don't you try to work with her on learning how to record a little bit, learn how to write some songs. So, you know, it wasn't like, it didn't necessarily come to me as my own idea initially. Um, and in that way, I think it's sort of unique. I think a lot of people who don't have that kind of artistic guidance um, probably just come to it in their own way, in their own time, but, yeah, I was was encouraged to try it, and once I started trying it, I actually was really into it, and I'd already kind of been, you know, just writing casual poetry, and I mean to this day, obviously, now I'm a fully immersed songwriter, but I'm always just writing down little ideas and, um, you know, concepts and whatever, so... I think it was easy to take those little ideas that I'd kind of been swirling away and start putting them into songs. And so, yeah, I started kind of when I was like in high school around the same time, 15, 16. But um, then I, I joined some other bands when I went to college and I kind of stopped being the lead songwriter. So then I kind of started, um, you know, writing songs, but kind of keeping them to myself, and not really doing anything with them until I decided to start my own solo project in
0: 2015. Oh, okay. All right. That's, that's really fascinating. You know, uh, did you, were you comfortable, um, kind of putting that aside or was it, was it itching to get out the whole time you're kind of working in the other parts, other portions of the band?
1: Um, I think I was a little bit hesitant to share that and to come out as a solo artist. I think it was like a bit vulnerable for me at that time. Um, but in truth, I now feel that I almost wish I'd gotten a jump on it earlier although no regrets you can't change the course in your life and I think the reason of where I am now is because I did things the way I did them but um yeah I think that was always in there kind of hiding a bit underneath the surface but um I was happy to do what I was doing at the time and it really worked for me but again I mean oftentimes in my life things just happen beyond my control and they lead to something greater um and you know I left the blank tapes, the band I was in and broke up with the guy with the band and was then kind of one left wondering what I was going to do with my life. i was like, well, I have two
0: songs and, you know, I can't break up with myself. So I guess I better start my own. Oh, That's great. Um, so, you know, when you, when you're taking that leap from, you know, um, playing drums and kind of, did you have, did you have any issues kind of being center stage and having that focus on you, you know, as you're, you know hesitant to share that stuff Now you're like feet to the fire It's all on you uh, Was there any hes- Was there any Kind of growing pains in that Or
1: I think that at that point I was ready um, You know like first of all In the blank case where I played drums I still stood in the center of the stage oh, okay. And so people often were confused About how the theater was and, You know I, I was kind of like Put in a position where I was Looked like the lead singer even though I wasn't um, so I was used to kind of being that and that was like an easy way to ease into it you know because it was like okay the intentions all on me but they're not my song so if people don't like them it doesn't matter um, I mean I still was very invested in the project at the time but you know I, I wasn't writing the song so I didn't feel like I was burying my own soul every time I got up there and played which now being Pearl Charles and writing all the songs and having to be about my own life is much more. Vulnerable, um, but you know, I, I like to think of my group as a band. But ultimately, I know that I, it's my name and my song. So, I guess I'm comfortable being the center of attention, if you will. On
0: stage. Yeah, sure. Do you um have you worked with the same core uh, group as a band now um, for for each of these for the EP through you know uh, Sleepless Dreamer and now the new the new album Magic Mirror?
1: The guys that toured The Dreamer with me live played on Magic Mirror. So that was kind of my first time having um, my real life live band playing the record. And so I've had a pretty consistent group for a few years now. But um, throughout the EP and the Sleepless Dreamer, we used various people. Like the EP was my kind of my first band, my friend Lauren sang on it, who actually sings on this record as well. Um, but the guy from the blank page played a lot of the stuff. And my friend Jordan, who engineered it, also played on it. Then for Sleep the Streamer, um, one of my live bandmates also plays with Father John Misty, So we got a lot of the Father John Misty band to play. So that was a little more like session guys. Okay. And then this record was a mix of that. But I wanted like four of it to be my live band because we spent so much time, you know, living together on the road and. I'm the one driving the van and making them listen to the music that I love and kind of getting them immersed in like the Pearl Charles experience and what I want that to be. And so they, they really like knew me in that way. And that's why I think the record is really like representative of me.
0: Oh, that's awesome. You know, one of the things um, about your music that, um, you know, I kind of touched upon uh, in the intro, but uh, the, it's, it's got a retro feel without trying to feel retro if that makes any sense right so like there's certain kind of retro artists that uh and no disrespect to them sound like they're like i'm trying to sound like this whereas your music just sounds like that (laughs) i i don't don't know if that makes sense or if that's by design but it 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 doesn't come across as um uh as dress as musical dress up if you will um is that hard to navigate or is that just kind of where you're at? Like, is that just,
1: yeah. I mean, I think that like the tradition of 70s songwriting and arrangement, um, is just classic. And that's like what I love and what I want to try to create. But no matter what you do, you know, I'm well, I mean, not no matter what you do, because you do make a good point. There's some people out there who are making very, um, throwback albums and that's the intention for me I just I'm inspired by that time but I'm not trying to replicate it I'd like to create something that feels in a way at least unique if not completely original like I I actually feel like I'm not attached to complete originality in the way that some people I think are and there's nothing wrong with that it's cool to try and like you know create new boundaries but what I think is really the best thing is trying to make something that's very uniquely yourself that no one else can imitate because it's your thing and I'm of modern times so no matter what I make artistically it's going to sound like that and have that in it and I'm not trying to make it sound old but at the same time it's going to always also have those same classic elements, that same instrumentation, that same um, craft in the songwriting, I mean or at least i hope to try and you know reach something of that level so that's that's where i think that you get this kind of unique thing where i take all my favorite things from the past and i mix it with all my favorite things now and then I sprinkle the pearl charles on it and then <laughs> it becomes its own thing
0: yeah yeah no i mean like i and and you know you kind of keyed in on that there it's 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 the it's the dance between uh imitation and inspiration right and you know leaning heavy in in inspiration um creates magic because uh, obviously everybody's inspired by something to create right um whereas if you're just trying to mimic it then you're going to lose a lot of kind of the passion and i think that's one of the things that that really uh sticks out about your music is that um it does, you know, it does feel personal. And, and I think that's what kind of um, is missing in a lot of those, like I said, play pretend um, retro acts, if you will, you know. Um, so, awesome. Well done.
1: As in modern pop music, it, in the, thank you. <laughs> I mean, I think it also is, a, I mean, it's a problem in whether you're trying to make something that sounds old or something that sounds new. If you're just trying to make something that sounds like something else, because it's a formula that it's proven to be successful. It's like, well, it works for them because that was their thing. But like just trying to make a carbon copy of it isn't going to necessarily work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. 100%. (laughs) Totally. Um, So where you you mentioned '70s songwriting and stuff like that, where uh, at what point in your life did you kind of get, uh attracted to to that kind of mystique if you will um because it came to me um it it was the kind of stuff that I I don't want to say I revolted against when I was like in my 20s and stuff like that but sometime in my mid-20s I was just like oh and something I don't know what it was that clicked um actually I do know what it was it was um the very first time that I really sat uh, with headphones on and listened to um uh, Graham Parsons and Emmylou Harris uh, harmonize on Love Hurts. It like, I, I was a puddle. Uh, so, it, it, you know, I can pinpoint the the time it happened. But for you, like, uh, was that always what you were into, or was it just something that um, you eventually gravitated towards? Um, well, I
1: mean, you know, I think I had a really good foundation in songwriting in terms of what my parents had shown me. So I think I was always really into that. I also think that I didn't really have the um, aversion to soft mainstream music that a lot of people have when they're young. Um, I dabbled a little bit in like liking punk, but like I never was a punk. So I don't. I never. Which is funny because actually, like you know, a lot of the people around me, my manager and my boyfriend and stuff, they were all in punk and stuff when they were growing up and there is like a connection between the punk ethos and like the DIY ethos and indie, you know, but like one thing that I never had a problem with, was being ashamed of liking that. And like, I mean, I feel like this is a question you'll ask later. I'm pretty sure. But like the first um, CD I bought at Amoeba was the Eagles greatest hits. I just thought it was great. I, n- I didn't think anything about it. I didn't think if it was cool or not. I just turned it on the radio and I thought they were really cool. At that point, I'd only ever heard Hotel California, but, like, that was only scratching the surface for me because I loved so much of their stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I think I was always into it, but it wasn't always just 70s. I mean, it was, like, I liked the Carter family and I liked uh, Hank Williams and, you know, I liked country songs, which, you know, is really about the song and the story, and then to hear artists, I mean, Graham Parsons is such a great example because he was so into that classic country stuff. He really is known for bringing it into the rock lexicon and creating country folk rock, and I mean, that's like my my favorite genre, pretty much, so um, I mean, I think that Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and all the Laurel Canyon people they were kind of building off of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think I've always loved, but but I didn't know, you know, I didn't know these records and especially not as deeply as I do now, when I made my first solo record. I mean, I'd gone from playing old timey country music to like, you know, 60s garage surf kind of stuff. And that was sort of those two mixes were the influence on the EP. And then I started discovering disco and soft rock and more uh, country rock and like you know later little Kenyan era stuff and i was like
0: this is this is where (laughs) it's got." yeah you can can definitely hear the growth um of you know early on it's like 70s curious you know and then like it's like no i think i am 70s and then it's like full-on acceptance uh when you when you get to magic mirror um which um of course brings me to magic mirror which is um a phenomenal album, you know. I talked about "Only for Tonight" being the the hook that brought me in, but every single track on there um, is fantastic. Uh, what was what was the process of putting? Do you do you approach albums as albums, or did you just kind of get to a certain amount of songs and you were like, okay, time to kind of compile these?
1: Yeah, I mean, we basically like I, I just write songs as they come, and as I do songwriting sessions when I work with other people, so. I'm always just kind of letting whatever comes out, come out. And then once it starts coming together, when there's enough songs, you start to see patterns and themes. Um, and and you do pick, you, you call it down from, uh, we had like 20 songs going into it that I'd written over the course of a few years. But when I got down to it, it was like not only were they the best songs, but they were the best songs together and to tell that story. Like I do think about album format when it comes to sitting out to record, but it usually takes a while to um, compile so many songs to then be in the position to, to, you
0: know,
1: cut them out, tell the story that
0: you're trying to tell. Yeah, sure. Uh, one, one of the things, um, and this is, this is kind of really specific, but one of the things that really hit me um, about the album is um, the sound of the drums is just so, um, perfect i don't I, like I, I keep saying perfect but like they're just so on the money um that that's that was like the first thing that kind of hit me and then you know you layer on everything else that you have on there you know the electric piano and you layer on the 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 pedal steel and all and it's just like just sonically good um when when you're writing songs um you know obviously you're not writing them with 50 million instruments at your fingertips, or do you primarily write on the piano? Or
1: Um I usually, I mean, you know, these days, oftentimes, if I'm in a conference with someone else, I'll like, I'll mostly just work on the vocals and the lyrics because um, that to me is like really, I want that to be the most honed, instinct start. But I love writing on keys or acoustic guitar. I'm definitely more of an old school songwriter, and that way, it's me and notebook and a recorder and um you know, then I build it up after. But it's, that's kind of fun and exciting for me because then you don't really get to attach. Like a song that you think it's, everything starts out being an acoustic stripped down kind of thing, but you could literally take it in any direction. So you're like, okay, I want this song to be a disco song. I want this song to be a country kind of song. I want this song to be whatever. And it, it's just a piece of clay at this point that can be formed into anything you want. So the options are so open and that's what you can kind of make a really cool sounding album. I I think that there's so much room in there because I have so many great players around me, great producers and stuff. So I'm like, I'll just focus on making the melody and the vocals and the lyrics as good as they can be. And then from there it's like we could take it in any direction that we feel inspired to go in.
0: Yeah, oh that's awesome. Is there anything any song on the album that um sounds entirely different than what you kind of imagined as you were crafting those? Like is there anything that kind of surprised you how it ended up as opposed to how it was when you started kind of formulating it?
1: I mean I don't know, not really. I think that they all kind of like turned out like well, you know, maybe imposter. Imposter was the one that turned that surprised me the most because I just didn't I think I had a less clear vision about what it was going to end up being. And it turned into like one of my favorite songs. So, um, but everything else I felt like really flowed very naturally. It felt like they kind of found their place. Because, like I said, I don't always go into it with like a preconceived notion. Certain songs, only for tonight, I knew that I wanted to do an ABBA thing. So there was no surprise there. But um, some of the other ones were a little more vague. But then when it's like, you know, what I need, I didn't really. We've been playing that song for so long. You know, we do these live versions of them, and that's we build them up. But this, um, we end up overdubbing and adding a bunch of stuff in the studio when we actually go to record it. So I kind of knew there was more in there, but I didn't know what it was.
0: Yeah. And
1: then once recorded, I felt like it really like came right into its own. It felt like it was the perfect, perfect way to, to execute it.
0: It's awesome. How So, when you when you're playing live, um, what what is your live band uh, setup? How many people are you going out with?
1: Well, for the last record, it was mostly a four piece, just because of really what we could afford. Sure. Um, but we're very independent. Um, that would be me on acoustic guitar, bass, and drums, and then another guitar player. Depending on the guitar player, they might also play pedal steel.
0: Okay. Okay. Um,
1: but now. This record is so keys heavy that I think I want to have a five-piece band and have a keyboard player. Whether I play keys sometimes or this, there'll be a second guitar player who also plays keys. Also, got to have the background vocals. So, got to build it up a little bigger this time
0: around. Yeah. How um were you? What what was your um you you said you moved. Um, during it, but what was your pandemic life like? Um, were you able to play anywhere? Were you doing streams or anything like that? Or um...
1: yeah, we did quite a few live streams. Um, we were at first we did a couple that were just like me and our, my boyfriend playing, and he played on the record and stuff. So he would play guitar with me and sing. Um, but then, as you know, things we got a little more um, able to get tested and do all that, and so we were doing masked and tested and distanced Live streams with the full band, and we did a bunch, and they were all really fun. But um, I'm ready to get out there and do some real, real life in the flesh shows soon.
0: Yeah. Oh man, I know. I uh, I, I I play out um, myself. And, um, doing live streams, I kind of just talked about this on the last episode, but doing live streams, it's so hard to find like that connection. Like, you're just like, okay, I did it. And I hope that, you know, someone out there enjoyed it. But, uh, I, I, I absolutely, I just played uh, my first, uh, live show this year, uh, on Sunday, last Sunday. Um, and seeing faces and hearing people sing along, it was like uh, welcoming an old friend back into the home. So, um, what what are you are you doing an, uh, an extensive tour or anything this summer, or are you um, just kind of playing it by ear? Is there any kind of plan?
1: Our only really big plan is to go to Europe next year. Um, there's definitely going to be some stuff before then in the states, but I think everything's still kind of just being worked out. And um, yeah, so I'm not totally sure, but. Uh, I hope, I hope it all starts coming together soon and we can get back
0: out there. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, if I can um, just put a little word in for Philadelphia, if you just want to come out this way, <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, definitely. Oh, all right. At this time I would like to um, welcome you to the jauntlet and I would like to ask you these questions that I ask every guest. Uh, uh, like I, I said in the email, um, the, it starts off with the, um, The one hit wonders and they have recently changed um as i found out that um everybody was giving the same answer for um a bunch of them so like i had like sammy hagar versus david lee roth (laughs) as you as you may guess sammy hagar did not get many votes um so i've updated it some um so these are the new one hit wonders are you ready
1: all right, yeah, no, I mean, I was prepared before, but now you're taking me by surprise. So let's see
0: what it's like. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> one hit wonder number one: Billy Joel or Elton John? Elton John for
1: sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, i, I you know, um, I'm starting to. Um, now, kind of evaluate these as well as I'm getting people's responses and I'm thinking about my own responses. And I'm like, oh, I might have to revise again um, because uh, even though Billy Joel, big here on the East Coast, I'm not sure um, how, how that translates. I mean, he's big everywhere, but uh, he's no Elton John, right? He's uh,
1: Billy Joel is like the ultimate coffee artist. Like he has a song that sounds like everyone, every other band, and he did a good job. But I'm, I mean, listen, is a great song. Don't get me wrong. And I like moving out too. But overall I say I think Elton John has a little more artistic integrity. But I hope I'm not offending, you know, New York people by saying
0: that. Exactly. It's it's only the New Yorkers you have to worry about there. Uh, number two of the one yeah. who wonders, Debbie Harry or Joan Jett?
1: Um, you know, I'm gonna go Joan. No, no, I'm gonna go Debbie Harry. Debbie Harry on
0: that one. Okay. Okay. Um, I think about it. Yeah, it's a tough one. That's a that's one I, I've not even made a choice on it yet. Uh, I, I almost refuse, but uh, as the host, I'm allowed to do these things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, number three, uh, the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin, or the Queen of Rock, Tina Turner. I think I'm going to have to go Aretha
1: Franklin. I mean, again, these are tough. But
0: yeah, yeah, I feel it. I feel it. Uh, this one, this one is the the one question I've asked that. Um, literally gets split down the middle. um, And it kind of surprises me a little bit, but um, so it definitely is a holdover from the original one hit wonders. This one is Nirvana or Pearl Jam. Um, That's
1: going to have to be Nirvana. I don't
0: like Pearl Jam at all. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, so then it was an easy decision for you. No, (laughs) no, uh, no Sophie's choice here for you on this one.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. That's a clear choice for
0: me. I love it. Next one, Janice Joplin or Stevie Nicks?
1: I mean, I have to go Stevie Nicks just because I love Fleetwood Mac so much. But of course, Janice Joplin is my namesake. So I got some love for her there too.
0: Oh, that's where the pearl comes from. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: I mean, that's not actually what I was named after. But, you know, I I, I feel a kindred connection because of the pearl thing.
0: Okay. Right on, right on. Uh, this this is the big one, um, and I'm actually going to um, add a little addendum to it after the after this. Um, uh, but uh, the Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Okay, well,
1: I'm going to add my own addendum. Okay. Oh, because I like I okay. There's just so. This is a deep question. The Beatles solo probably would win for me because I am like a solo Beatles freak. So okay. After broke up, I think the most culturally significant band ever is Beatles. There's no question, hands down. Right. But who do I listen to more often? Definitely the Stones.
0: That's one hundred percent. Completely agree. My addendum to it. Yeah, I, I hear you. I hear you. My addendum to it, which I feel like I can ask you, but I can't ask every guest, and I, and I'm not sure if you even hold an opinion on this one, but. Um uh, an addendum to this question. Rolling Stones Wild Horses, written by Keith Richards and Mick Jagger, or written by Graham Parsons.
1: Right. There I mean, you know, there's a lot of controversy around the stones stealing songs and murdering people. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean Graham wrote some great songs, he did. Um and he did some great versions of other people's songs. So I
0: I can't say for sure, but I'm definitely open for a good conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah. There's um, so there's this um, there's this. That's where it comes from. There's this great conspiracy theory that Graham actually wrote "Wild Horses" and they just kind of took it. Um, uh, that he um, and that um, they had an agreement that it would be a Jagger Richard song and not a Graham Parsons song. But either way, beautiful song. So the song exists, and that's all I care about
1: happening i mean it, it sounds like it could be a Graham song i'm sure he was around writing it i feel like it's possible they wrote it together i mean i know he was really um you know he really like was obsessed with the stones and you know kind of being in the cool kid crew so if that was gonna like get him in i could kind of see him being willing to give up his songs but um i feel like he's like really loves Graham, and he like speaks very highly of him so i don't know why he would feel the need to hide that especially now but i guess if that's legend maybe they don't want anyone to know
0: that's right that's right well you know sometimes you just gotta let legends live because the legend becomes bigger than the truth you know
1: totally i completely
0: okay the final one hit wonder bohemian rhapsody or stairway to heaven
1: that is a that's a hard one i mean i think i'm gonna go stairway but I really love them both. I
0: personally am a huge fan of the rock opera. So, you know, give me a song that like feels like that. And I'm (laughs) in. I'll have to send you a demo. I wrote a rock, a mini rock opera once. It's actually, I call it a a mini alt country opera, but um, it is, it's a four song. It's a, it's a four song opera about um, uh, Peter Pan being um some uh, a child suffering from depression (laughs) it's 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 not good but uh, but my heart was in the right place (laughs) (laughs) all right so that was the one hit wonders this is the top 10 countdown um in philly i'm not sure how familiar you are with philly slang but the word john can mean anything you want it to be it doesn't have to be music Uh, i i kind of Made it about music for this But it can be anything you want it to be Any, any noun uh, Essentially So uh, number one of the top ten countdown What was your first John? What was the first thing you found yourself obsessed with?
1: Um, well I mean When I thought about this earlier I was saying the first First CD I bought at Amoeba was Equals Greatest Kids So I feel like that really kind of got me roped in
0: Okay okay I like it Number two what's your current John? What are you into right now?
1: I'm obsessed with this song called Travelin' by the Jeremy Spencer band. Uh, Jeremy Spencer was a member of Fleet Mac pre buckingham Nick, and uh, he left to join the Children of God cult. And while he was in this cult, he made this album, and it's incredible, and this one song in particular is a huge inspiration. And I'm going to try to use it uh, as inspiration for my next record, and I'm listening to it on repeat to the point where my boyfriend's asking me to turn it off because he's so annoyed. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that is amazing I have to find that I'm going to have to look that up that sounds absolutely incredible um, number three what was your first concert
1: well this is another thing that's coming full circle my first concert was Spice Girls really I'm proud of it it was
0: that's awesome that is yeah. awesome T- tying it all together see this show this show is very good at being cyclical totally um, you find themes and you stick with it right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, number four what was the last concert you were at?
1: Now I'm gonna have to dig back into my my memory for this one because it's been obviously quite a while. Yeah. Uh, last concert I was at. I mean, the last concert I remember being at was Paul McCartney. So I'm gonna say that, even though I might not be right.
0: That's okay. It doesn't have to be accurate.
1: But that was the last big one.
0: Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have to be accurate. We're, uh, we're,
1: not,
0: <laughs> we're not checking your work. We're not gonna. We're not gonna hold you accountable. Uh, <laughs> Number- it's a good
1: story actually I, uh, I kept posting On my Instagram Who's going to take me to this Paul McCartney concert Because uh, I was just I felt that I Could somehow find a way to get in Without having to buy a ticket And um, eventually a fan hit me up And was like hey actually I have an extra ticket if you want to come with me And I was like okay cool great Went with the guy, didn't know him you know. I was rolling the dice He ended up being a super nice guy had an 11
0: row ticket. Holy crap! And I was
1: like, this could not have
0: worked out any better. <laughs> Whoa, okay, nice. That's a, a man. What is wh- what is it like seeing Paul McCartney from 11 rows away? Like that's got to just kind of blow your face off.
1: It was amazing. I've actually gotten to see him like up close like that twice, and both times were incredible. I mean, he played a lot more Wing songs than I was expecting. He played one of my favorite songs, which I didn't even know was a hit from uh, later, was from Venus and Mars, which is like a pretty lesser known album. And uh, it's a song that actually my band covers sometimes. So my mind was just blown. I mean, I was long and dancing and freaking out to every single moment. It was great.
0: That is so cool. Uh, Number five, what was your favorite concert?
1: Okay, well, I've been really lucky to have been to a lot of amazing concerts. I'm going to name a few, if I may. Okay. I would say, I saw Prince. That was fucking amazing. I saw ELO play with the LA Philharmonic, and there was Firework. Wow. That was fucking amazing. And then I also saw that Desert Trip Festival, which is the other place where I saw Paul McCartney up close. Um, my friend had, like, you know, pitch tickets Um, to see, it was uh, Paul McCartney, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, and the Stones. And I
0: don't know if anything's ever going to top that, really. No, that's it. I mean, that's it. That's now now I'm curious, what was the concert you saw after that, and was it the most disappointing thing you've ever seen, having just been in front of greatness?
1: (laughs) That's a good question, you know? I don't remember what the next thing was. I, I feel like I, I mean i could just go on i don't mean to brag but it's like i saw the last tom petty concert i, I mean i live in la so you know it's yeah. like all right whatever um yeah like i thought she none of these people disappoint i mean i think i just go to really good concerts when i
0: said yeah okay well that's going to make number six very interesting number six who is someone you've never seen live that you always wanted to uh alive or dead
1: I want to see. I wish that I had seen Steely Dan before uh,
0: the other guy died. And I'm forgetting, I'm blanking
1: on his name right now. Uh, uh, Walter Becker, before yeah. he died. Yeah. They, um, um, I'm a little sad about that.
0: You know. Yeah. They, they were another. Oh, and one.
1: the great little
0: Oh, sure. Yeah. I, like uh, uh, Jerry, uh, you know. Jer- Jerry died on my sister's birthday. Um, so I will always remember that. Yeah, it's a bummer.
1: Oh, R.I.P.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Number seven, name an unappreciated John. Name something that you wish had more shine to it.
1: Um, You know, I love Ian Matthews from uh, Fairport Convention. He was only in that band for a little while, but he has some amazing solo records and I don't think he gets nearly enough appreciation and there's a lot of artists like that to be honest i mean the list goes on forever the ones who didn't make it often were just as talented as the ones who did so i i hope everyone remembers that always throughout history
0: yeah yeah the uh the the, the there i feel like there should be kind of like well maybe maybe i should start it no uh but there should be like a podcast that just looks in and, and and follows like Every musician who you know, call it, maybe call it like the Pete Best Show or something like that. Like everybody who was a part of something that went on to be something incredible, but you know, uh, didn't get to get didn't get to be there for the for the the explosion.
1: That's a great idea. I'm really into it.
0: Yeah, I'll, cre- I'll credit you for the uh, for the show. Uh, <laughs> number eight. What's your favorite album?
1: I'm not great with favorites, you know, because my my favorite changes. Is- depending on my mood and what I've discovered. My favorite thing is like always my newest discovery, you know?
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Uh, that, that works. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> number nine, name an artist whose output you will consume anything they put out, even if you have to be apologetic for it.
1: Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I definitely have listened to Paul McCartney's, you know, digging in, trying to find something worthwhile been a while something that i personally like but i thought i had high hopes for the mccartney three but uh i don't know not quite digging it but i'm always, always looking you know
0: yeah waiting yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the um uh, i still laugh uh my very first guest was uh this guy randy major who plays in this band lost in paris um, and uh he, we we were songwriting buddies we were in a band together and uh so of course he was my first guest because why wouldn't he be but uh <laughs> but uh his answer to that was uh Kanye West and i just feel like uh it, well actually i think he even precursored it i think he said um up until about 2 years ago it would have been kanye west but <laughs> it is really hard to uh be apologetic for <laughs> for i
1: mean luckily i don't I think Paul has been quite
0: so offensive as Kanye was, so I don't have to apologize for his actual existence, just for his output. 100%. That is 100% true. Okay, the 10th and final uh, top 10 countdown. Are you ready?
1: I am ready. Let's do
0: it. Uh, And I know you just said you don't like favorites, but we got one more. What is your favorite John of all time? Can be anything you want it to be.
1: I mean, I think like coming out to the desert and making some psychedelic music with your best buds is, that's where it's at. I love it. So for me, it doesn't get any better than that.
0: I love it. So what's next on the horizon? Um, what are you, are, are you working on um, any more uh, single releases from this album or uh, videos, anything like that?
1: Just working on new stuff, you know, and we're going to... We're getting the live show together to bring it and play Magic Mirror in person to whoever will come and see us in the States and in Europe. And um, we're also planning to go back into the studio this month and get started on a new record. I don't know how far we'll get, but um, I mean, I have quite a few songs. I had actually finished Magic Mirror in January of 2020, and it was supposed to come out, you know, while the pandemic was going on. So we ended up delaying it a bit, just kind of waiting to see what it was like. So That was another kind of blessing in disguise for me personally during the pandemic, because I got a lot of writing done. And so I have a lot of new material. I'm just starting to watch it take shape, as we were talking about, kind of letting the clay start to mold itself and build it from the ground up and just getting to the point where I'm bringing in the bass player and the drummer and starting to work it out. You know, the groove, the groove then will dictate the rest of the feel, the song. So it's a really exciting time.
0: That's incredible. If these good people listening to this show would like to find you either on the internet or on the social medias, how, how, where, where, where can they track you down at?
1: Definitely following me on Instagram is probably the best way to find my, um, but I'm on all social media um, at Pearl Charles on Instagram. And, you know, just search for me on the internet. You'll find me. There's not too many Pearl Charles out there, luckily. Um, And then catch us on tour. I mean, you can buy my records and stuff like that. Probably at your local record store, but also on my band camp, which is pearlcharlesmusic.bandcamp.com. And yeah, everyone just keep an eye out. We'll definitely have more cool, fun stuff coming soon.
0: Very cool, very cool. Well, as I said, I am a a new fan. Um, So I want to thank you not just for doing this show and talking to me here today, but also for creating such fantastic music. Um, uh, Two episodes ago, three episodes ago, I don't know, times a flat circle. I I can never remember what episode anything was on. But I I open everything, every show up um, with what my current John is. And my current John, of course, was only for tonight. Uh, So it is fantastic to get you on the show. I don't know, do you... Do you, are you a podcast listener have you ever heard the show switched on pop
1: I'm a podcast listener but I basically only listen to true crime so no okay. I have
0: not okay. <laughs> Switched on pop great show on uh, Vox Media they just kind of break down pop music um, you know using pop is a broad term um popular music oh, cool. uh, if you will Check it uh, out. It's very fantastic, but um, I sent them an email and um, uh, we, uh, I was kind of gushing with one of the hosts um, uh, about your music and uh, they are a convert as well. So um, spreading the word, spreading the word.
1: Well, I'm going to have to check it out now.
0: <laughs> it's awesome. Well, thank you for doing this. Uh, anything else you want to say before we call it a day to these beautiful people listening to this show across the world?
1: Just to thank you for having me and thanks to everyone for listening.
0: Absolutely incredible. My thanks again to Pearl Charles for taking the time out to talk to me. You can find Pearl on Instagram at Pearl Charles or find her music on Bandcamp at pearlcharlesmusic.bandcamp.com or on any of the major music streaming sites. If you have not already, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast goodness from. And as always... If you are an overachiever and you want to earn yourself that super awesome John Scout Merit Badge for citizenship of the world, you can do so by rating and reviewing us. Do not forget to visit www.yothatsmyjohn.com and like us on Facebook at facebook.com yothatsmyjohn for updates and live streams. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at yothatsmyjohn and find yothatsmyjohn on YouTube for all kinds of video deliciousness. Like and subscribe the heck out of that-ish. We want to hear from you. Reach out, reach out, and touch some John. We did it! Another episode down. Thanks for taking this ride with me. As I always like to say, there is no me without you. Because by myself, I am just a crazy person in his basement talking to himself. But with you, here with me, I am a crazy person in his basement talking to himself in front of people. And that makes it okay blue skies until next time everybody hey yo displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure Your taste in music doesn't have to be yo that's my john is a lonely monk production written and produced by yours truly Nate Runkle. theme song by Phil Tyler Music featuring Nate 3.0 Special thanks to Fox Run Brands, DX Ferris, Andrew Scott, Natalie Runkle, and the incredibly brilliant and wickedly stunning Katie Daubney. If you or anyone you know has any ideas they would like to share or any guests they would like to hear on the podcast, please feel free to reach out to us at yo, that's my John, at gmail.com. Or you can leave an audio message for us and possibly hear yourself on a future episode by visiting anchor.fm slash ytmj slash message. Until next time, be sure to displace the guilt and embrace the pleasure and shout to the world, Yo, that's my John.